With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What makes for a great vacation? Depends on who you ask. Are you looking to get away or bring everyone together? Do you want to get outside and play or see a play at the plate? Fortunately, however you operate, I'm the destination you've been looking for. The name's Missouri, but you can call me Mo. And I have just one question. What's your M.O.? To find your M.O., tap now. Or for information on safe travel, come see me at visitmo.com. It is interesting match reaction for Everton 1. Crystal Palace won. European hopes take another body blow at Goldison Park. It wasn't a defeat, but it feels like one. The one positive tonight, Mark Mosey, is that we are watching this together. Uh, socially distanced, rules adherence, all that kind of thing. Um, so at least we got to share the frustration and the angst and all those things together in person for the first time in a while. I'm just doing that standard thing that we do after disappointing results now where you get the, the league table up and see what could have been and how many points off Leeds and Crystal Palace we are in order to consolidate that top half finish. But yeah, the uh, the ability to watch games with, with friends and family and, and get back to some form of relative normality of, of watching Everton is, is a highlight on an otherwise very disappointing afternoon. But I think the, the reality of getting together and watching Everton in that sense is that you realise that Everton don't really change. Um, <laughs> I think Gary Neville summed it up pretty well on the Sky Sports coverage over here in that Everton always managed to get themselves to that pedestal and to that, that next step. Um, success is always on the brink. Uh, you always think that we're going to be the ones who kind of break the the top, whatever it may be, four, six, eight at the moment. Um, but yet again, we, um, we consistently find a way to throw away every form of advantage that we have. Mm. Um, tonight seemed like one of those games that was just going to peter out into a relatively disappointing we were poor but we made it over the line sort of performance um our last Southampton earlier in the season but um I think worryingly that it, it struck me as one of those results whereby a lot of people could possibly disengage after that knowing that such a such a big opportunity has, has passed us by yeah it was it was a different sort of frustration wasn't it to what we had recently because I think if you, you look at home games like Burnley 
you know, Fulham, you know, mm. the famous list that we've all been rattling off in, in the last few weeks. You know, they they've just been absolutely wrong performances. Um, yeah. Where Everton have done nothing, you know, really. And when they scored, this sort of felt like it's a bit, a bit by accident tonight. They actually had chances and missed a load mm. of those chances, and that's that's not something we've been able to say after the, after the match for for a long time. And I don't know, I don't know about you, but I'm just like. I'm just like pissed off with them all after that. You know, you know, I'm, I'm pissed off at the strikers for not being clinical enough. I'm pissed off at the midfield for not controlling the game better when we get one nil, and you know, you, you want to take the sting out of it. I'm really annoyed at the defenders and particularly Michael Keane for switching off when you, you yeah. go into that mode later on in the game. And I'm annoyed at the manager as well for sort of going into that shape when and you know being that negative when we've been on the front foot and creating chances so much. It's it's one of them where it feels like everyone's got to take a, a bit of a slice of it tonight. Mm, it, that was a classic tale you mentioned Ancelotti whereby you kind of set your stall off for the last 15-20 minutes and then you've got absolutely no answer going forward and I think well Everton had no offensive answers going forward from the minute that, that Gilfie Sigerson had to come on early because other than Josh King who's been relatively underwhelming we always knew that if we had to change the game for the positive it was going to be a real struggle and, and you do have to anticipate the fact that that, that might happen in the last 10 or 15 minutes um, I, I appreciate that we've got players on the pitch even at that late stage who are, are capable of nicking it for us but sometimes you just need that freshen up and that change up top and we're just not capable of doing that at the moment and I appreciate that the injuries and, and things have, have really taken the toll on the on the squad this season but the one area where it really hasn't been an issue is at the back as you say I think even before we start making changes with, with Godfrey uh, I, th- I think we seemed relatively comfortable, I would say. I think for all of the for all of the mistakes that Crystal Palace were making at the back and, and Everton were managing to, to jump on them and create chances, I don't really th- feel like we gave a great deal away. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the, the frustration definitely comes from there for me. But I think the, the main area of angst for me really is that if someone would have told me before this season started that we'd throw away a really good promising potential European finish by getting beat at home to Burnley and drawing at home to Crystal Palace. It's it's probably a narrative that you totally got on board with <laughs> back in April because yeah. th- these are the sorts of run-of-the-mill struggles that relatively decent Everton sides in the last 15 years have, have really toiled with. And I think ev- everything that we invest in, in new Everton and Carlo Ancelotti in particular has been that Things like this are going to change. Um, we're going to know how to how to manage games well. I don't necessarily think we did that that very well tonight, and we're going to be able to manage particular points in the season very well. Um, and right now, I think if you offered most people in late March, early April, the ability to be on the cusp of of greatness in terms yeah. of relative Everton greatness, which is a, a European finish. The idea of having Ancelotti behind you is the difference. That's the key factor that gets you over the line and into those into those challenging spots. And and at the moment, I think everyone's just kind of waiting for that to to kick in. And yeah, reference injuries again that they have definitely impacted mm-hmm. us. And I think my frustration with the squad is that regardless of the millions that you spend on that midfield, it consistently looks like the weakness. Um, so yeah, I, I think it, this is round about the point in the season where we're expecting more answers than questions. But I think it's it's very much vice versa at the moment. Yeah, um, and you know it, it started off slowly, didn't it? I think both teams were really rusty early on, and you know we're losing it in midfield, and you know a lot of our chances early on came from us pinching it and trying to get forward, and you know Gomez 
plays for Charles ridiculously early on when he was miles offside. Then he plays for Charles and through and, and he misses that chance. Carver Lou misses the chances. And I mean, there's going to be a lot of focus on those two lads, isn't there, in the in the aftermath of this? I think, you know, Richardson in particular had a, a ton of opportunities tonight. Yeah. Carver Lewin has two probably clear opportunities that, that he that he should score. And you know, listen, I think it's I think that's three and fifteen for Carver Lewin now, so he's obviously in, in a bit of a, a, a rough patch. And so to take it in first, I think I think we've said this for a while now, that, that's still the, the area of his game, isn't it, where you'd say he needs to make a massive step if he's going to become a, a real top-class striker, that when the ball's sort of ahead of him and he can take a touch yeah. and pick a spot, you never really see him wrapping into the corner, like what Rodriguez did tonight with, with his finish, mm. you know, put it in off the post. It's He's better when it's instinctive and he can get up yeah. on the end of things. It's it's still that, that when he's got time to think, you can't quite pick a spot. You know, listen, it's something he might get better at because he, he's, he's defied people before in regards to what he mm. can't do and what people have said his limits are. But that's still the one area to think where if you've got a play like Rodriguez or you've got someone like Richardson, Fred and passes through to you, you're going to get those chances quite a lot. And he needs to be a bit more clinical and a bit more composed in those areas. I'm going to call that Thomas Rodzinski syndrome. <laughs> he, he was always great, <laughs> great instinctively. But that's a bit harsh on Tom. If he had more than half a second to have an opportunity on goal, it, it went straight into the upper goddess. But yeah, it, a great point you're making that is the reality of having good creative players, which we hope that James Rodriguez is, is not the last of to come in in the next couple of years, you are going to get time on the ball because they are able of, of crafting those those spaces for you. And, and the thing is, his movement's great. Like in the yeah, yeah. Holgate, the Holgate's pass, he gets mm. on side really well. The other one he times has run really well. So he's learning that part of the yeah. game as well. It's, it's just it's, it's just that, li- that little bit. And like I think if he can get that right, he will go on then. And he's yeah. probably got another five goals this season. He's the top scorer in the Premier League. And, you know, there's no ceiling, but it's, you know, it's probably easier said than done, isn't it? But if he just takes a bit of a deep breath when he gets into those situations, yeah. you'll be a lot better. He's ironically great at getting into those spaces, as you say, yeah. isn't he? And usually the the kind of niche role of getting into the, the intelligent side of being a striker in terms of getting into the, the really clever positions, that, that usually comes last. And... I think Calvert Lewin has probably got there a little bit quicker than he has with his with his finishing potential. He's very much a victim of his own ruthlessness in front of goal here in the season, really, isn't he? I mean, the fact that we can talk about an Everton striker who scored three goals in fifteen games, but he's still what second or third in the yeah. in the Premier League goals table. I mean, it, it's not to say that we expect less of Don because the first half of the season has, has shown that he is very much capable, but the reality of of the start of our season and, and the fact that we did have everyone available and, and the football was a lot more fluid is that you are going to get a lot more of those relatively glaring opportunities that are seemingly harder to, to miss than score. And I'm not taking anything away from him for, for the, what, 15, 16 goals that he's already scored this season. But when it gets into the crux like this and you haven't necessarily got all of those midfield it, yeah. Creative players behind you, it it does need you to to dig something out in those in those moments. When what was the game that we played him through one on one recently? It was the West Brom away game. It was a very similar miss. Just a bobble, wasn't it? And he could have just wrapped yeah. his left foot around it. He just seemed to take his time. Kind of let it run onto yeah. his right and miss. And it, it was a very similar miss to the one that Richarlison put him through on tonight. Um, all of his build-up play, uh, the endeavour will always be there with Calvert-Lewin, but it all looks a little bit more laboured than earlier in the season. Um, flashbacks to uh, the very early Dominic Calvert-Lewin that a lot of Evertonians knew and 
for so many reasons hated because it's it's not the Calvert Lewin that we we ever wanted to see. And as I say, the the angst of this is that we've we've seen the striker that we want to see. Um, but yeah, forward forward players go through runs of form like this. Richarlison, I, I think the. The one shining light of Richarlison night tonight is that he was getting into those positions. Mm. We we've gone six or seven games at a time without seeing him get into a goal scoring opportunity as good as two or three of the chances that he had tonight. Um, obviously the one in the first half where he kind of cleverly lets a defender jump ahead of him and then takes a touch inside. They're they're the types of things that an on form striker absolutely buries um, and. You know, both both of them are in an area of the season whereby we need one of them, like Calvert Lewin was earlier in the season, to be absolutely firing. Quite frankly, Everton have played relatively poorly tonight, but if we'd have gone in, you know, two 0 at half time and then took another one and we we ran out relatively convincing winners, I don't necessarily think anyone would have had any any major complaints about that. But play poorly or be clinical and. You you need to choose at this stage of the season whether you are going to be that ruthless team who does take small chances like that and just just have that little minor gap over teams like Tottenham and Chelsea just to take those chances. And quite frankly, I've just I've got no trust or belief in Everton being that that attack minded or that aggressive with it. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like if Europe happens, it's it's a nice thing, and other teams will have slipped up to let us in there. I don't necessarily see us being a grabbing the league by the scruff of the neck team quite yet well, um, we've had the chance to do that haven't we I suppose in yeah. the last few weeks when teams you know have been slipping up and it's, it's a mad season and you know there's there's things to, to take into account and you know I don't, I don't think there'll be many supporters of many teams at the moment who are saying their team is, is playing exceptionally well it's, it's a bit of a yeah. grind for everyone but you know we, we do we do get ahead in the game though I think at the start of the second half it, it was feeling very familiar in regards to how it gone. It was nil nil at half time, and we've seen so often the you know the other team can take the initiative and mm. and push on and, and, and get it get in front, and we we've tended to struggle. But you know, Palace had a little flurry after half time. We still had to weather the storm, and we, we score from the best bit of football that we play in the match, really. And you know, again, it's it's Sigerson has the shot, Dom's an inch away from putting it in, and then you know, like I was saying, I think Rodriguez was the only one really that we had tonight that when the chance did come showed that, that composure and he showed the great mm. still on Sky to be fair and um, you know there's, there's nowhere to go it's a bit, little bit like um, you said it was like Lee Carsey's goal in the derby in 2005 it reminded me a little bit of Andy Johnson against Arsenal yeah. where there's like a, a tiny little bit of net for him to aim off through a load of defenders legs and he just found it somehow but it was nice having back tonight wasn't it and there were yeah. times in that second half where, where Rodriguez got the ball and he looked like he was just playing a different sport to everybody else. Composure, drawing people in, knocking it into space, you know, making space for other players by by just taking the ball in tight areas. And I think actually when he went off, albeit he could, could barely run, we, we really did miss him. It's just mm. you know, someone to give the ball to him just so everybody else could sort of take a, a bit of a breath. I think when, when one of you back... Well, when one of you back seven heads the ball out, in which it was very much the case for Everton in the in the last fifteen minutes, you you need that outlet, don't you? It's, I think very often we we think of a a counter attacking outlet in those situations as being someone who's incredibly dynamic, very quick and powerful, and and, and they're gonna you know run it into the corner for you and buy you ten or fifteen minutes. It doesn't necessarily always have to be that. It just needs someone who's got a little bit of composure on the ball, just to find a a clever pass out to Luca Dean, find Richarlison who we know is gonna eat up the ground and eat up a few minutes. Gilfie Sigurdsson, in theory, should also be that person who's just 
relatively cultured on the ball, going to take a little bit of pace out the game, but also going to be quite sensible about how he does it. Um, you won't tonight, do you? Clearly, yeah. he's not that player. Yeah. No, I think you are. You are absolutely craving someone like Hammers to to do that for you. And as you as you rightly say, take take a chance. Um, I think as much as we talk about Everton potentially of being more ruthless in front of goal tonight and being pretty convincing. We we are that player away from really toiling and potentially going on to to lose the yeah. game, um, and f- for so often and all the stats will point towards it this season. He is a difference maker. Uh, I know there'll be there'll be so much frustration amongst I'm sure coaching staff, but primarily fan base in terms of how often we've been able to see this lad. Yes, not in person, but but on the TV. Um, quite frankly, if he was that consistent and as good as he is, he probably wouldn't be playing for Everton, mm-hmm. but. I think the the first time we saw him tonight, just skip inside, watch a defensive midfielder go past him, and then spray a ball out to Luca Dean. I think everything felt a little bit more right with the world, didn't it? It's, <laughs> it, it, it's so it's so good to see him do that sort of. I think what we were worrying about with Hamez is that the whole kind of choreographed relationship he had with Luca Dean had been very much well rehearsed by a lot of defences yeah, in the yeah. Premier League and in that brief moment I thought maybe everyone's just forgotten how good how good this lad can be but yeah it it all needs to operate around him doesn't it I think that the movement the movement ahead of James Rodriguez will always be consistently good as long as Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin are in the team mm-hmm. um, they're, they're very clever players and on their day they're very clinical players as well but I think the what you what you do need with someone like James who relatively unfairly I would say can get labelled as a luxury midfielder or a luxury attacker is you need that stable core behind them um, if people like Alan and Decore yes we expect them to be that and to an yeah. extent Gabamon who it was great to see obviously tonight but I think we are back to the old argument in that when you when you start stripping away at that midfield and you are left with with people like Andre Gomez and, and Tom Davis who, who was particularly poor tonight I think James Rodriguez becomes a very dangerous player for Everton to have. He's he's either going to be the the difference maker as we we hoped he would be tonight, or he's someone who you admit pre-game that you're probably going to have to bring off at sixty to seventy minutes, bring another defender on, and you've got absolutely no answers to to replace him. And I think it was a little bit too much of the latter for me tonight. Would you still would you brought him off when you did? When he did? You, well, in, in an ideal world, from a from a technical and a game management point of view, I think absolutely not. But mm. I think. The reality is that most Evertonians don't really ever argue about Hammers coming off because the the acceptance and the understanding is that he hasn't really got loads of ninety minute runs yeah, in him. Yeah. Um, so it it's frustrating, but I, I think it it's not it's necessarily. Got a manager, you still, yeah, that's the thing. it's not in the same extent as you know. If, if we bring someone like Richarlison off tonight, we're talking about it for throughout the week on every show we've got. The the reality of Hammers is that that there is a caveat and, a, and an asterisk next to his name on that team sheet because you need to utilise him for the time you've got because it's it's definitely not going to be the whole 90 minutes. Yeah, and the, the one I would change, obviously, obviously Gomez went off in, in the first half, Hamez comes off um, for... Uh, Godfrey comes on for him, does he? No, he, he, yeah, try, try to get me out of drama. We just had loads of defenders. We had loads of defenders on um, <laughs> at that point. Tony, but came on at one stage. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, Coleman came off, didn't he, for Godfrey? Yeah, Godfrey. that's right. Um, and then Hamish comes off as well, but mm-hmm. for, for uh, Jean Philippe Gabarman. But I think I think that that, that change for, for Godfrey for Coleman, I think was it. I could see I could see the, the logic behind it because Zahar and Van Arnold were getting loads of joy down that that left hand yeah. side. That that looked like their outlet. But I think what what happened when Godfrey came on, and I think this is sort of what happened with the goal. 
he just wants to engage, doesn't he, all the time? He wants to get up in someone's face and say, "Try and beat me one on one with Zahar in particular." Yeah, yeah. like you know, and he probably looked at that thought. You know, he's the best player on the pitch. I'm, I'm going to try and yeah. try and try and get near him. And do, do, I think he got a, got done by him early on. And then in the goal, he doesn't really he doesn't really go past him Zahar, but he just drags him out. Mm. And I think what Coleman maybe will do a little bit better is just sit in that position and say, yeah. you know, you, you can have the ball there. I mean. It's Michael Keane, isn't it, on the on the goal? I think he. Mm. I think for me, it's just it's a centre back who is playing on the right of a back three. He's not playing on the right of a back three very often. Who you know, if you put someone there who plays in that system regularly, they're probably a little bit more aware sometimes that the wing back can get forward and leave that space. Whereas if you play in a back, you know, more of a compact back four, yeah. that space is typically filled, and he just gets attracted to the ball, but. You know, I think I think even so, you're looking for a bit bit more from an experienced player. Mm. You know, for, for Keane, it's you know he's obviously been out the England squad, bit of a blow for him there. Um, missed out on the cup game before all this as well, and you know, com- competition's high centre back at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. So you know, these lads are gonna have to keep setting high standards. I do, I do kind of get it with bringing Godfrey on because I think if if any of us were asked who's the best one on one defender at the club and mm. who would who would you rather. You know, if, if Wilfred Sahara is picking it up level with our 18-yard box and, and being pretty direct, then I'm relatively comfortable with Godfrey doing that. But but as you say, that, that all kind of gets unravelled if you take Godfrey out of that sort of very structured back five. And playing playing four centre-halves across that, that back five as it became, the idea is that it is pretty rigid and you don't wander out of position. And, and if someone like Sahara does want to peel off you by 25 or 30 yards, then... Unfortunately, you've got to let him go and, and let someone like Gilfie Sigurdsson, who was relatively close to Godfrey in that phase of play. He was playing right, wasn't he, like midfield? That's, that's it. Yeah. You've, you've got to let him kind of do that role. Um, the fact that he's only been on the pitch for five minutes probably gives some form of nod towards why we hadn't sort of structurally set up in a in the best way. But I think, yeah, Sigurdsson's reaction to the whole move annoyed me. I, I appreciate that Michael Keane is probably the one who has to step to his right and fill in, but... It it was very much the same old from Sigerson in terms of finger pointing and wanting to pass on all forms of responsibility and I'm not saying that the goal is necessarily his fault but for for a senior player you do you do expect that level of nous defensively in in critical stages of the game and I think if, if for anyone who watches the highlights back you can you can kind of see the the frustration that Everton fans have have held with Gilfie Sigerson all in one fluid movement because. On the on the highlight reel of Sigurdsson wandering around and pointing, as as we've seen at, at places like Anfield and and, and the Emirates and, and and similar big games where you expect senior players to to stand up, he he is the one who shirks responsibility a lot of the time. And I th- maybe it was just highlighted by the fact that I think he'd been he'd been pretty poor since since coming onto the pitch. But yeah, it's um for all of the defensive joy and and flexibility that Everton have in terms of team selection at the moment. I feel like we do need to kind of nail our colours to the mast in terms of are we going to play with two fullbacks who who we allow to go forward and I think mm-hmm. if you are going to play with something like that you need a very good defensive midfielder to to be that pivot in front of the back four. Um, I, think, I, I think James Coleman's playing well at the moment, isn't he? Yeah, I'd, I mean, I'd, I'd happily keep him at right back or right wing back. I think the only shock about the Godfrey 
substitution yeah. for me was that obviously most people could see that everything was coming down. Crystal Palace has left. I think most of us were expecting Godfrey to potentially come on at right back and Seamus Coleman just to stand in front of him at, at sort of a very defensive right midfield position and, and see if they could break down a sheer amount of numbers on that side. Um, I don't know, the, the temptation for me would have been to ride it out and I appreciate this is all with hindsight, but as much as Crystal Palace's play was very much focused on that side, there were, there were very few rare occasions other than maybe the, the Eze shot where he comes inside where I thought we've we've really gotten away with one yeah. there. I felt that it was relatively well managed um, and maybe comfortable is a bit too far to go, but it didn't strike me as a situation whereby we needed an, an immediate like-for-like change at fullback because Coleman was getting destroyed. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sure there were a couple of occasions, but when you come up against players like Eze and, and Wilf for it's a hard. They are going to come past you at times, but the the reliance from an Everton point of view, it then is well, we've got three centre halves in the eighteen yard box who mm. should be able to deal with any delivery that comes in. Yeah, and um, some talk about the goalie being a false over on Sky. I'm not, yeah, I think maybe a bit harsh on him. Though. I didn't see it. I think the the main criticism was that he come out too too soon. Um, uh, I think if, if you're going to label a goalkeeper with that sort of criticism, then it's got to be pretty eye glaringly. You know, responsive yeah. in terms of coming off it's his right line. It's right in the corner, isn't it? To be fair, yeah, it's a good finish. To be yeah, fair, absolutely. So. I think nine times out of ten, it either hits Olsen's leg or, or it gets dragged wide, doesn't it? I think the fact that it nestles in the corner obviously doesn't do Olsen any favours, but definitely not one that will um will be talking about as as a major glaring error from the goalkeeper. Yeah, and then finally Jean Philippe Cabarman came on the pitch, which in itself is remarkable. Um, couldn't help but laugh at his big massive smile when he came on he just couldn't help himself could he bless him uh, you know some nice things he did on the pitch some ropey things which you'd expect but yeah. um, surely the main positive to take from tonight is just that he's he's, he's on the football pitch and, yeah and, and it was hella, you know as if trying to hold on to a 1-0 lead at home and the opposition are putting pressure on you isn't anxious enough we had yeah. the situation where every time anyone went near him or he was on the floor or something like that we, yeah. we were panicking and nervous about him getting injured as well I think the the thing that I'm most nervous about and, and I think when you see players come back from injury like that you're writing that you just want to see them get through minutes and get through games and I think the difference with Gabamon, even though we've only seen him for what an hour was it of his of his debut about forty seven years ago, um, what the, the difference with Gabamon is that this is not a player that Everton fans are talking about as coming back into the squad and being a key member of, you know, a, a twenty five man European squad. He he is someone who Everton fans realistically talk about as being part of our strongest midfield three, uh, and to to come back with that level of pressure on his shoulders and whether he feels that or not I'm not sure but I think if you were to ask most about the the sort of most solid midfield three it would include him Alan and and Abdullah Dekore and that that's a massive weight to put on on a lad's shoulders who's obviously really struggled physically over over the last couple of years but yeah it's been a, it's been a bizarre timeline for him I think back four months ago in November we were we were talking about him getting back into full training and then <laughs> when he eventually returns into full training, announced by Everton Twitter <laughs> admin by posting photos yeah, of him. People he, demanded for snaps. Yeah. He's, he's, suddenly, he's suddenly back on the sideline and yeah. God, at, at one point when Gomez went down, you thought, surely this lad is not going to get drafted in at this stage. But yeah, it, it would have been a uh, it would have been a nice situation to not necessarily need to see him tonight. Yeah. Um, but I think we're all just hoping that he can become, for everything that we've just said there about the back four in terms of 
relying on a on a really stable and clever and always in the right space on the pitch defensive midfielder. He is fairly or unfairly someone who we we have cited as being that man. And I mean that the last what nine games is it now were a yeah. big opportunity for him to show what he's capable of going into next. Might season. have to start next week. We've got got the Oh God, yeah, yeah, Gomez isn't back. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Every central midfielder who's signed in the past two summers is injured. Delph, Gomez, Gavaman, yeah. Alan, Decore. At least I'm not talking about Delph being the one to be <sighs> that Gavaman role. Yeah, fingers crossed he can get fifth for next week. No, 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 I won't go that far. Uh, but yeah, um, disappointing. Yeah, West Ham is on in the background here, and they're two 0 up at Wolves, so. They're not slowing down anytime soon. Um, hopefully, Everton can find something and cling on to a European spot in the final weeks of the season. It's Brighton next Monday as well. Uh, at least everyone had the Easter weekend to enjoy before Everton stepped in and ruined it on Monday. <laughs> but um, it's been nice watching it with people again in person. Uh, obviously, be looking forward to doing more of these shows with more people throughout the course of the campaign. So, cheers to Mark. I uh, hope everybody's had a great Easter weekend. Not ruined too much by what happened tonight. And we'll speak to you again soon here on The Blue Room. Progressive Insurance protects people's cars, homes, and other vehicles. But if you've ever seen our commercials or even just heard our name, you probably already knew that. What you may not know is that we support Humble Design, a nonprofit that furnishes homes for families and veterans emerging from homelessness. Because a little help goes a long way. And a lot of help. Well, you get the idea. Now, if you already knew all of this about Progressive Insurance, we're impressed. We'll have to find something else cool to tell you next time. Find out more about how we're dedicated to our customers and communities at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.